Amen. It is great to have you here tonight. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of James, please. The book of James, chapter number three. Do keep Pastor in your prayers. He is traveling back. He's preaching, I believe. I'm 90% sure he's preaching tonight in their service there, which will begin in about six hours our time. Uh, and then he'll leave at 10.50 p.m. their time there. Uh, and I'm not sure when he's getting back here tomorrow. I know it's 1 p.m., whether that's 1 p.m. Hawaii time or 1 p.m. our time. I'm not sure. Uh, so it's either 1 p.m. or 7 p.m. He's supposed to be back here uh, tomorrow night. So either I'll be really early or really late to pick him up, one of the two, if I show up at 1 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, but do pray for them. I am imagine it's probably 7 p.m. their time, uh, or our time, that he'll be back tomorrow. So they'll be traveling all day, all night tonight, all day tomorrow. So please do keep them in your prayers uh, as they travel back from Hawaii. They have been busy, but I know, I hope they've been able to have some enjoying time and come back refreshed and ready to hit the ground running. It is great to have uh, Shasta back with us. Her and Brandon were traveling this weekend, uh, but welcome back. Happy birthday, since you weren't here on Sunday for us to say it to you. It is great to have you back, and great to have Brother Ray back with us and Miss Priscilla. As you know, we prayed for Brother Ray on Sunday, um, but praise the Lord, there was nothing major going on, and uh, he's back and doing better. Not 100%. He's almost back to his Superman status. He's getting there. He's working on it. Uh, but do keep each other in your prayer. I did have the privilege to go see uh, Jr. yesterday. Uh, he was a hard, Jr. the seven foot tall guy. He's not seven foot. I think he's six foot ten. Um, and uh, he was in church sitting in the back right in front of the sound room a couple weeks back. Uh, and then we, uh, Brother Bernard gave the testimony on Sunday night of them him coming over to the house. The man had a stroke while at his house, and they were able to call the ambulance and get him to the hospital. Uh, and God worked that out miraculously. And I was talking to him and talking to his doctor while I was there. Uh, he was supposed to be walking the halls while I was there. So we walked around the hospital. I know Johnson City Hospital really well now. Uh, and everybody, I feel bad. I was getting tired of it after walking with him for 40 minutes. Everybody that walked past, did you play basketball? How tall are you? I'm going, I've only been with you for 40 minutes and I'm tired of people. He had to duck through doorways and hit his head on signs. I can't imagine being that tall. But uh, praise the Lord that he was there. He has uh, AFib. So if you would pray atrial fibrillation and irregular heartbeat. And he had a uh, blood clot that broke loose and went into his brain. And that's what caused the episode while he was at Bernard's house. Uh, and so he asked for more prayers. He just moved here from California three weeks ago, I believe. Uh, so he hasn't been here that long, doesn't know many people here. Uh, and I was there yesterday uh, visiting with him. Uh, so just keep him in your prayers, JR. Uh, he's there. Thankfully, he's not in ICU anymore. He's in a step-down unit, uh, and they're going to monitor him for a couple days. We're going to be in James chapter number three. We're going to finish chapter three tonight uh, in the series, Are You the Real Deal? And tonight we're going to look at the, the subject of wisdom. And if I preach heresy tonight... Forgive me, I am on medication. I do not feel 100% tonight. Whatever Kelly had over the weekend, she gave to me. So if I didn't shake your hand, it was on purpose. I'm not trying to ignore you or be mean. It's not that I don't like you. Uh, my mom always told me to share, but not with sicknesses. So uh, I'm going to keep a distance tonight. Uh, but James chapter 3, we're going to look at wisdom. And uh, just raise your hand if I start preaching heresy or going off the wall or something. I'll think that you're agreeing and waving your hanky in the air or something. James chapter 3, verse number 13 is where we're going to start. Uh, the Bible tells us all throughout Proverbs, uh, all throughout the Old Testament, all throughout the New Testament, that we're supposed to seek after wisdom. 
We're supposed to seek after wisdom. Wisdom is a good thing. Uh, the Bible describes it as beautiful. Uh, it describes it as good. And we're supposed to be wise people. We're supposed to make wise decisions. How many of you have ever watched children or someone that you love make an unwise decision and how hard it was to do that, uh, to watch them go through that? How many of you yourselves have made an unwise decision? Uh, we all have, all right? Uh, and a wise man, uh, it's amazing how much difference when you can see between a wise man and a foolish person. But the Bible talks about it all throughout. And in James chapter 2, uh, in verse, or 3, in verse 13, the Bible says, Who is a wise and endued with knowledge among you? Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and of good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's open up tonight in a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, for the singing that we've already been able to, uh, to worship your name through. And now as we open your word and do uh, this short study tonight on wisdom and, Lord, how you view wisdom and the difference between our earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom, I pray that we would, would seek your face every day and seek to have that heavenly wisdom. And, Lord, we'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at this sermon a little bit different than we've looked at all the other sermons in the book of James, and we're going to do a compare and contrast. We're going to do three different lists. If you're taking notes, uh, each point is a different compare and contrast list. We're going to compare earthly wisdom to heavenly wisdom, because that's what the chapter does here. God talks, or uh, James, the author, God through James, talks about earthly wisdom and heavenly wisdom. And so first, we're going to look at a contrast in their origin. Where does earthly wisdom come from? In verse 15, we see that this wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly. It's worldly. It comes from this world. And this world has a lot of wisdom that it wants to give you. Dr. Phil gives a lot of wisdom on his show. I don't watch Dr. Phil that often. Every once in a while, I'll see it on TV in a doctor's office. And he gives a lot of wisdom. And I think he gives a lot of good wisdom. But Dr. Phil doesn't have all the answers, okay? Dr. Phil doesn't. You can go to a therapist all you want. The therapist doesn't have all the answers. All the answers come... You can get every answer you need for life from the Word of God. Earthly wisdom's great. And we're supposed to have counselors. The Bible says in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So we're supposed to seek earthly wisdom, but we need to make sure the people that we are seeking that wisdom from are getting their wisdom from the Word of God. There are some people that I would go to. I have a group of people that when I need advice, I go to those people. I have a whole list of people. There's a whole list of people that I wouldn't go to. If you're struggling with uh, alcohol abuse, you shouldn't go down to the local bar to get advice on how to quit drinking, okay? That is a bad place to go. But a lot of times when we're seeking wisdom, when we're going through a difficult time, we go through people that have no relationship with God to try to get encouragement, to try to get wisdom, and that's not going to do you any good either. It might make you feel good for a minute, but a good Christian friend, a good Christian counselor is going to take you back to the Word of God. They're not just going to seek after that earthly wisdom. It's worldly. It's of this world. The Bible says also 
It's earthly, it's worldly, it's sensual, and it's devilish. It's sensual. What does that mean? It appeals to our flesh. It appeals to our emotions. It's a make you feel good for a couple of minutes kinds of thing. That's why uh, drug abuse and alcohol abuse is so prevalent today because people are looking to feel good and it makes them feel good for a couple minutes. Hey, drink this and you'll feel good and it'll make all your worries wash away. You watch the commercials and that's how they sell it. But it's only temporary and afterwards you have to deal with the side effects of whatever drug or alcohol you drank and then you're still right where you were emotionally. Uh, it's a make you feel good kind of thing. It appeals to your senses. It tells you to do what feels right, whatever feels good. All you got to do is listen to your heart. There's been songs written about it. Jiminy Cricket gave some bad advice. Always let your conscience be your guide. Uh, we need to let the Holy Spirit be our guide. Uh, we need to let not emotions guide us, not emotions form what decisions we make and what ways we go, but we need to let God and the Holy Spirit through us. Uh, if it feels right, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's right. Something that feels right doesn't make it right. And then the Bible says, lastly, it's demonic. It's the kind of wisdom that the devil has. We talked about in the, earlier in the James chapter 3 how the devil himself believes in God. He has a faith that there is a God in heaven, but it doesn't do him any good because he hasn't applied it in his heart. It's the same wisdom that they have. But we need to seek heavenly wisdom. Where does heavenly wisdom come from? Turn back with me to James 1.17. He's already talked about it. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of firstfruits of his creature. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And you can see throughout the book of James, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So a wisdom, a heavenly wisdom is going to come from God. And uh, there's men that I go to uh, that I know they're going to give me heavenly wisdom when I ask them. My dad is one of those men. Uh, when I have to make an important decision, when I'm struggling with something, I call my dad. I called my dad this week about something. Uh, it wasn't anything major, but I knew that if I ask my dad his opinion on something, he's going to give me not just his opinion, but he's going to back it up with Bible too. Sometimes that means he doesn't give me an answer right away. When I called him, he didn't give me an answer right away. He said, let me think about it and pray about it for a couple days, and I'll get back to you. What does that tell me? Did I get mad and go, Dad, no, I want to answer right now. I know that he's going to seek the word of God. He's going to pray and make sure the answer he gives me is heavenly wisdom and not just his own opinion. And I take comfort in that. It used to drive me crazy when I would ask my dad something. I'd ask my dad to go over to a friend's house, and I knew the answer was going to be, I need two weeks to pray about it. I go, Dad, listen, two weeks, it's going to be over. He goes, oh, I guess you're not going then. I go, okay. I knew to go ask my mom. And then my mom would go talk some sense into my dad, and then he would. But I appreciate that now, that he's going to pray about it. He's going to make sure that it's the right decision, that it's the right wisdom that he's giving. Heavenly wisdom comes from God. It comes from above. So how do we get heavenly wisdom then? That means we need to pray. Ask God. That means we need to be in the Word of God every single day. That means we need to be doing what the Word of God says. James 1 says, Be ye doers of the Word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. A teenager asked me one time, we were on visitation together, he goes, how do I know what God's will is for my life? 
And he was talking about 20 years down the road. And teenagers have those thoughts. Where am I going to be? When I was 17 years old, I remember sitting in my high school class thinking, where am I going to be in 10 years? Where am I going to be? My 10-year high school reunion was last year. In 10 years, I looked back and I said, I am not where I thought I was going to be. <laughs> I am nowhere near where I thought I was going to be. I had no idea, actually. So when he came and asked me, I gave him the same wisdom that a man in my life had given me. The will of God for you today is to do what God's told you to do. It's to be in your Bible. It's to pray. It's to go tell people about Jesus Christ. And as long as you're following his word and what you know you're supposed to do, we know we're supposed to do those things. There's no ifs, ands, ors, or buts about it. We are supposed to be doing those things every day. Then God will direct your paths. God will keep you. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. And all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. If we're living and we're doing what we know we're supposed to do today, and we're trusting on God to direct us and not our own wisdom, then he will. But so many times we want to understand, I want to understand what's going to happen next month. I want to understand how this is all going to work out. I want to understand how God's going to do it. And that's our earthly wisdom. That's our mind and our flesh wanting to understand, but we need to give it over to God. It comes from God, and it comes from prayer. We just talked about the verses. You're in James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that give it to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. We need to ask and trust that God will answer our prayers. Have you ever come across a passage of Scripture you didn't understand? All the time when I'm reading the Bible, I go, what in the world does that mean? Kelly was memorizing a passage of Scripture for Awana with, for the girls tonight uh, that the girls had to memorize. She was sitting there memorizing it, and she goes, why in the world are we memorizing this verse? What does it even mean? And, and it was it was an obscure verse that I remember reading before, but it had big names in it. It was talking about Theopolis and all these different things and have these, thous, and shalls. And, and I had to sit there and read it a couple of times. And, but when we come across a passage of Scripture and we just don't understand it, we should ask God, hey, God, I want you to tell me. I want you to show me what this passage of Scripture means. Sometimes that might mean, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean immediately you're going to go, oh, I understand it now. Maybe that means the next Sunday in church, pastor's going to be preaching not about what your devotions were about, but he's going to touch on that passage of Scripture, and it's going to give you some more understanding and help your mind come around. Maybe you're going to be driving on your way to work, sitting in traffic on 26, because they are messing up traffic with that construction, and you are going to say, and it's going to hit you. Maybe it's going to be a preacher you hear on the radio. Maybe it's, maybe it's going to be the Holy Spirit working in your heart that week as you continue in your devotions, and he's going to show you, hey, this is what I meant. But God says we need to ask, and he will show us our heavenly wisdom comes from above. We need to, uh, the reason I started with the origin, because we need to understand where true wisdom comes from in order to go any step further. It doesn't come from a man here on this earth. The Word of God, God used men. He used different authors, but He spoke through them. He moved through them, and they penned the words that God had for them to write. It comes from above. Number two, so number one, we contrast their origin, is that earthly wisdom is is from this world. It's worldly. It's sensual. Uh, it's the kind of wisdom that the devil has and his demons. Heavenly wisdom comes from God, and it comes through prayer and through reading our Bible. But number two, we're going to contrast their nature. 
Look at verse 14 with me back in James chapter number 3, verse 14. What is their nature? What do they do? What are they? How do they show themselves? Verse 14 says, But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above. That's talking about that worldly wisdom. Wisdom. It's full of bitter envy. Have you met a bitter person before? I've met some bitter people in my life. And it's sad to see them. They're miserable. Their bitterness, maybe somebody hurt them in the past and they, did, they were legitimately hurt and somebody wronged them. But the bitterness eats them up and it's not hurting the person who wronged them. How many of you have struggled with bitterness? I have. I think probably almost every single one of us in here today, if we've lived a couple years, that you've struggled with bitterness at some point. Somebody's hurt you and you've had to deal with that root of bitterness and not let it springing up and, and cause you to sin. But if you have earthly wisdom, earthly wisdom is going to say, Those, that person wronged you. You have a right to be mad at them. But if ye have bitter envying and strife, earthly wisdom is, is full of strife. It's full of fighting. It's full of bitterness. And that's not how Christians should be. We should be the family of God. And we touched on this already. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it. But it should be full of peace and love. But if you look at James chapter number 4, uh, since pastor's coming back into town, you, this is your last night you have to put up with me. So we're not going to be able to go into James chapter 4. So I'll give you a sneak peek uh, for next time pastor goes out of town. The James chapter 4 says, From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? So here it says, hey, earthly wisdom is full of fighting. It's full of bitterness. It's full of, uh, of envying. And don't we struggle with that as Christians? Who was James written to? It was written to Christians. It was written to believers, okay? And James says, hey, when we have fighting among us, when we have fighting among Christians, it doesn't come from God. It's because we have given up that earthly wisdom and we're following, or heavenly wisdom, I apologize, and we're following earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom, it's all about me. It's all about making me better. It's about power, it's about position, it's about privilege, it's about prestige, it's all about what can I get, what can I do, how, how can I advance my career, and it's the complete opposite of heavenly wisdom. Heavenly wisdom first is pure. Look at verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Let that sink. What is pure? If you're buying a ring, when you were looking at that engagement ring, guys, when you were getting ready to propose to your girlfriend, the most beautiful woman in the entire world, and you were going and you didn't want some cloudy diamond that had all these imperfections in it and was yellow, uh, unless you like yellow diamonds. I said that one time in a sermon. We were talking about purity. And one of the ladies came up and said, I like yellow diamonds, and that's why he got me a yellow diamond. I went, okay, whatever, whatever makes you happy. But most of the time, 99.99% of people want, want a clear diamond. Uh, we just took Kelly's ring into uh, Zales here in the mall to have it looked at. Every six months we have to take it in so the warranty doesn't void. And this was the first time they had done this. They took pictures of the diamond under the microscope and sent them to me. I can see every single imperfection that's in that ring. There is none in the two side stones, but that center one, she called them freckles. They're diamond freckles. She has five diamond freckles. She has five imperfections in that diamond. And they rated the clarity of it. It wasn't 100% pure. 
That's probably why it didn't cost me $100,000 to buy that ring, okay? But the more pure something is, the more expensive, the better value it has. The Bible says wisdom from God, it's invaluable, it says in the book of Proverbs, because it's pure. It has no ill intentions. It is the true word of God that he speaks to us, that was written to us, that was written to help us, that was written to guide us. It does not compromise truth for the sake of peace. It doesn't compromise. The word of God, we should never compromise on anything in this Bible to make people happy. And churches do that every single day. Now, that doesn't mean we have to go be ugly. I've seen people do that too. You know the churches that are out there that are being ugly, that are, are being hateful towards people. But we can't compromise the word of God to make people happy. The, the hey, whatever you want, we're going to go survey everybody. And whatever the world wants, that's what we're going to do, no matter what the Bible says. That's wrong. We can't compromise because heavenly wisdom is going to be pure and it doesn't compromise the word of God to seek peace. Number one, we see it's pure. Keep reading in verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable. We see it's in complete contrast to earthly wisdom. Earthly wisdom we saw in verse 14, it's bitter. It's causing bitter envying and it's causing strife. This is pure and it's peaceable. If you're following earthly wisdom, that means if you have something against your brother or sister in Christ, you need to get it right, because that's what heavenly wisdom will tell you to do, not to have anything of sense to your brother and sister. Matter of fact, the Bible says before you bring an offering to the altar, if you have ought against your brother, to go and get it right. And that's hard to do at times. But we need to get those things right, because heavenly wisdom is peaceable. We need to speak the truth but we also should speak the truth in love and go right along with the first. And easy, keep on reading, it's first pure, then peaceable, and gentle. Keep going, that goes right along with uh, the other one. Easy to be entreated. What happens when somebody comes to you and corrects you about something? Is that easy to take sometimes? No, it's not. Never forget the first time I preached after my wife and I got married up in New York. I don't even know if we were married yet. I think we were getting ready to get married. We were going up to uh, candidate for a uh, youth internship in Brooklyn, New York. And uh, I taught Sunday school that Sunday morning. And after Sunday school, on the way back, we did a, I think it was an 18-hour trip to New York. I had a class on Friday night, and I had a class on Monday morning at 7 a.m. So we left North Carolina Friday night, drove all the way to Virginia, slept at my parents' house, drove to New York Saturday night, and drove back down to North Carolina Sunday night to Monday morning. Uh, but on the way back from New York to North Carolina, my wife looked at me and she told me something that I preached wrong. And it was, it was wrong. But do you know how hard that was to hear that coming from my fiance that I was wrong? And my initial response was to get mad, and I did. I tried not to let her see it because I was on my best behavior because she hadn't said, I do yet. <laughs> I had to be on my best behavior. But uh, she pointed out something that was wrong. And at first I got angry and I got quiet. That's what, I do when I get, that's what I do when I get angry. I get quiet. I'm not somebody that blows up. I got quiet and I sat there. And the more and more I thought about it, the more I thought, you know what? She's right. I was wrong. But a, a Christian who's following after heavenly wisdom is going to be easy to be entreated. When somebody comes and points out sin in your life, and I'm talking about somebody that does it in the right spirit, okay? 
somebody that comes to you and goes, hey, I'm concerned about you. I see this and this. They're going to be easily entreated. Why? Because they're seeking after wisdom. I want people, if I'm doing something wrong, I don't want to continue to keep doing wrong. At my job when I worked at MetLife, uh, there were some things that I was doing wrong at the beginning, and my supervisor came to me and pointed those things out. I'm glad he did, because if I kept doing those things wrong, they became habits, and they, I wouldn't, I'd be making mistake after mistake after mistake, and those little mistakes add up to big mistakes. And I was thankful that he pointed out those things to me, but so many times when we have things pointed out to us, even by the Holy Spirit, we get angry. We're easily, pure wisdom, heavenly wisdom is easy to be entreated. easy. We're not going to give up on truth. We're going to stay true, but we're also willing to see where we're wrong. There's a man, um, my dad's church, that believes that blue jeans are wrong, that you shouldn't wear blue jeans. Um, Do I think that wearing blue jeans are wrong for men? I do not. You and I could disagree on that. He and that man disagree on that. But my dad, for the last 23 years that he's been at that church, has worn black jeans. Why? Because it offended that one man. And you, and I laugh. I still shake my head and I go, I can't believe he makes that big of a deal about blue jeans. But my dad said, you know what? That's something easy. I'm not going to fight about that one. I'm going to wear black jeans. And my dad does, does not own a single pair of blue jeans. And I look, he didn't make us do that, but he as a pastor was going to say, you know what, I'm going to be, this is one of those things, it's not, it's not a big deal. I'm just going to wear black jeans from now on. But most people would have caused a big fight about that and said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do my own thing. It doesn't, because that's not biblical. There's nowhere in the Bible that you can go where it says, thou shalt not wear blue jeans ever, period, the end. But to keep the peace and to, he said, you know what, that's something that it's not biblical. It's something that I'm willing to do. It's full of mercy. Full of mercy, verse 17, and good fruits. God was so merciful to us as sinner that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. It started the truth, the, the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is based off of mercy for us as sinners. And, and heavenly wisdom is going to be merciful. It's full of mercy. It produces good fruits, and we talked about that in the beginning, so we're not going to spend a ton of time there. But if you're a Christian, if you're born again, if you're bought by the blood of Christ, you're going to see fruits so that it justifies your faith before men. It doesn't take you to heaven, but it justifies your faith. Keep on going. Verse 17, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. The beginning of chapter 2 we talked about the sin of partiality. And we talked about that last Wednesday night. It's not partial. It doesn't have respect to persons, as James 2, 1 through 13 says. And then lastly, without hypocrisy. We've all seen those Christians, and I think we talked about it when we, begot, when we began this series uh, about the people that go to church and say, it's full of hypocrites, I'm never going back to church there, but people go to gyms where there's overweight people that are eating pizza after they work out at Planet Fitness and eating Tootsie Rolls because they have pizza and Tootsie Rolls at Planet Fitness. It's a good workout model. They'll keep coming back as long as they keep gaining the weight back that they just worked off, okay? I don't blame them for it. Good for them. But we go to gyms and it's full of hypocrites. We go to Walmart and it's full of hypocrites. We go, but we say with church, it's full of hypocrisy, but that should never be said of the church. 
people shouldn't look at, the, everybody should be able to look at Bible Baptist Church, and I hope they can, and say, that's full of real people there. That's full of people that care, that believe in the Great Commission. I was talking to JR yesterday. We got to spend a good hour and a half together, and um, he goes, now you know, I'm not saying I'm joining your church. I was just visiting. He goes, but I, I don't want you to get mad if I decide another church is for me. I've only been here three weeks. Yours, yours is one of the first churches I visited. I said, you know, that's not why I'm here today, is so that you'll join Bible Baptist Church. That's not why Bernard and Kathy invited you to come and why they came up and visited you on Sunday. It's because we care. I said, and you know what? If you decided to go to another church and that's where God wants you, I wouldn't want you at Bible Baptist Church because you'd be a miserable person. I said, but until you find that church family, we can be your, your foster family until you find a permanent church home. I said, and if that's Bible Baptist Church, we'd be so happy. I said, but if it's not, we want you where God wants you. But people should be able to look and go, you know what? Most churches, if somebody said, a lot of pastors, if somebody said, you know what? I'm not saying I'm coming to your church. They'd be like, okay, I'm out of here. Goodbye. That's the end. Uh, most church members will go, well, there's no point in going and visiting him anymore because he's not going to be coming and tithing at Bible. I'll forget about it. And I heard of a pastor this week that said something like that to one of his church members. And I said, that shouldn't be what, what we are as Christians. We should be real people. We should be the real deal. We shouldn't be full of hypocrisy. And that's what this whole sermon series and the whole book of James is talking about. We should be real. When people look at us, unsaved people, saved people, they should see the love of Christ through us. It shouldn't just be an act. We shouldn't be putting on a play, but I think a lot of Christians, just they're good at putting on a good act. A lot of pastors are good at putting on a good act. But Bible Baptist Church, I'm thankful for you guys. I'm thankful for your spirit and your love for people. We need to make sure that we stay that way, and we don't let it become an act. and let, Don't just do it because that's what we're supposed to do, but do it because we love people, and we want to see people grow, and we want to see people added to the kingdom of God. That should be our goal. And quickly moving on as we finish up, number three, we're going to look at a contrast in their fruits. Look at verse 16 with me. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion in every evil work. Earthly wisdom causes confusion. It causes confusion in the church. It causes confusion for unsaved people. It causes every evil thing, James says. It makes you wonder what kind of wisdom it is. It makes you wonder why do we follow it if that's what the end result's going to be? We started out where the origin is. Earthly wisdom comes from here on earth. It's not from heaven. It's not from God. It's not from the Bible. But why do we follow after that wisdom if we know it's going to end in this, if we know it's going to end in confusion in every evil thing? Why don't we seek instead after heavenly wisdom? In verse 18, it says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. It produces peace instead of confusion. It bears the fruit of righteousness. It'll cause good things to happen. It'll cause good things to happen in your life, in your spiritual life. It'll cause good things to happen in the church, in your family. We need to follow after heavenly wisdom. Let me ask you, uh, a lot of times, there's a lot of good books out there. Uh, there's a lot of good things written, and I think it's important to read. And I'll be the first to say, after college, I was burnt out on reading. I had to read so much in college. I said, I don't want to read another book for the rest of my life. But a pastor challenged me and said, you need to be reading. You need to be reading the Word of God, number one. But number two, you need to be reading good books, good books about the Word of God. But never let those books replace your study in the Word of God. And always go back to this book. When I read books written by men, good men even, I know that they're fallible. 
I know that at best, they're imperfect. So when I read something and I go, you know what? I'm not sure about that. I'll go and I'll open my Bible and I'll read the passage of Scripture. Uh, Whether it's a Bible book, you're reading a leadership book that has nothing to do about the Bible. If I read something and I go, you know what? That doesn't sound like a Christian, how a Christian should respond to that. I'll go back and I'll read the Bible and go, how should I respond when I'm faced with this situation? Why? Because the Bible should be our ultimate authority. While books are good, this book is the best. This book will give you the great wisdom you need. It's from God himself, and he gave it to us. But so many times we bring it to church on Sunday, and we set it on a shelf, and we never read it the rest of the week. And I'm guilty of that just as much as anybody here. There's been times where I've had to go find my Bible for church. Well, guess what that means? And I'm always convicted. <laughs> it hasn't happened in a while, but I, I went, I was teaching Bible classes, but a lot of times in those Bible classes, the verses were printed out in the books, or I had my iPad with me because I was putting Scripture up on the screen. So I didn't necessarily have my Bible, even though I was teaching it every day. But I'd have to go to church to teach on Wednesday night, and I'd go, now, where did I put my Bible? And I'd go, you know what, that's a terrible thing to have to say because I should be in my Bible every single day. It should be right there by my bedside. When I wake up, it's right there. I pick it up and I read it and I know where it is because I just read it that day. I just read it that morning. I just read it that evening. It's full of wisdom, but we have to read it. It's not just something that we can, I always wanted in science class to be able to put my science book under my pillow and for all that information just to be in there. When we had to memorize the skeletal and the muscular system, I wanted to put that anatomy and physiology book under my pillow and just go, let it all soak in osmosis. Let it all come through my pillow. But that's not how it works, and the Word of God is the same way. We can put it on our bedstand all day. We can carry it with us everywhere, but until we crack it open and read it, that wisdom that comes from above, we're not going to know it. We need to be in church. We need to be reading our, the Word of God every single day. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, for the wisdom that you've given us. And Lord, I thank you for it. I thank you that it's pure, that it's always right. And Lord, that if we seek it, it'll guide us in the right way. It'll never take us astray. It'll never lead us, lead us in the wrong direction. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room tonight, including myself, would make sure to always follow after godly wisdom to always follow after that heavenly wisdom from above, from your word, and that we wouldn't get clouded and distracted by the wisdom of this world, by the thoughts that they have, but Lord, that we'd always go back to you and seek you first. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.